Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for December 4th, 2016. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jack Steen, co-pastor with Russ Steen at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon today is entitled, As If Peace Were Really Possible. The fires raged through Yellowstone National Park in 1988. Lightning strikes in June of that year sparked those fires that burned and spread through most of the month of September with some smoldering spots continuing through November, burning almost 30% of the country's oldest national park. In 1989, just one year later, Russ and I moved to Yellowstone National Park. We fell in love with that part of the West. The beauty was breathtaking. The terrain was spectacular. The diversity of landscape, truly amazing. And as members of the 100 Mile Hikers Club, we hiked a few of those miles through blackened, charred countryside. It was a different view for sure. No lush green underbrush in that part, no shade overhead, just blackened earth sparsely littered with trees that stood like stalks, remnants of what once was vibrant and alive. But exactly one year later, we were taken with the beauty of what was growing out of the ashes, wildflowers. Beautiful, fresh, full of color. I remember the purple ones the best. These signs of life against a backdrop of death. Blooms rising up out of the ashes. They were signs of hope. But that was last week's Advent word. Hope. But it was this image that I thought of as our word for today of peace, when I read the words preparing for today's sermon, a shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse. Wildflowers coming out of the charred earth. Walter Brueggemann points out that a stump is a terminated plant from which nothing can grow. And the prophet Isaiah gave this image in the context of a deep failure of the dynasty of King David, the one that had carried the hopes of Judah. And now, in the face of that spent hope, the poetic prophet asserts a new growth with a sprout, unnamed and unidentified, but a faint sign of life and growth and possibility. Life is not supposed to spring up out of death, and yet it does. Just like the wildflowers dared to poke their colorful heads out of the charred earth in Yellowstone National Park in 1989, peace can happen. And if you don't believe it, 
just keep your eyes fixed right here. The images that Isaiah presents are both terrifying and beautiful. Wolf and lamb, leopard and kid, calf and lion, cow and bear, child and snake. Isaiah paints a picture of things that don't belong together and he dares to call it peace. In our Advent waiting, we must begin to picture things that don't belong together and then live and work as if they did. Russ introduced us last week to this as-if principle. If you were here, this is going to be a tiny bit of repeat but let me catch everybody up to speed. Stemming from the work of the Victorian philosopher William James, the as-if principle works opposite of how, we, how our minds were presumed to work. There are all kind of self-help gurus and coaches out there who have posed that if you want to improve your life, you need to change how you think. Force yourself to think positive thoughts and you will become happier. Visualize your dream self and you will enjoy increased success. In principle, that approach often proves surprisingly ineffective. With research showing that people struggle to continually keep happy thoughts running through their heads that employees remain unmoved by imagining their perfect selves. Over a century ago, William James proposed a radically different approach to change, the as-if principle. It isn't that our feelings guide our actions. Feel happy and you will laugh. On the contrary, our actions guide our emotions. Laugh and you will feel happy. If you want equality, act as if you already have it. That one example of laughing I can attest is true. I served on the board of directors for the Alliance of Baptists for about eight years. That is a time span better known as eternity. <laughs> I served during the tumultuous time of leadership transition when the executive director and the, the founding executive director and the founding assistant to the director retired. New leadership was appointed along with a new leadership model. Nothing about the way we had always done it was in play. And as you can imagine, this caused some tension among board members, some of whom were deeply devoted to the way it had always been, and some were deeply energized by a new day. This made for very long and very tense meetings. I was the secretary of that group, trying to write down every word that was said and inflect the tone that was used without interjecting my own emotions, most of the time the minutes read, after much discussion. <laughs> it may surprise you to learn that I was in the camp of liking the way it had always been done. I bet you're surprised by that, aren't you? And I felt resistance to the newfangled way of getting things done. 
We were clearly moving in a new direction with some of us kicking and screaming as we were going along. Those young whippersnapper millennials, bless their hearts, they didn't seem to be paying attention to the wisdom of their elders. We were in Louisville, Kentucky in a conference room, in a conference center that hosted multiple groups at the same time. And on the afternoon of our most intense conversation and heated discussions, a yoga group was meeting next door. Divided by only an accordion partition that had absolutely no soundproofing, you can imagine that we might be concerned that our passionate exchanges would interrupt their peaceful yoga group. We were not concerned by that. <laughs> but who could have predicted that it would be a laugh yoga class? <laughs> have you ever heard of laugh yoga? I had not. I still haven't seen it, but I assure you I've heard it. And just from hearing it through the accordion partition, I think I can accurately describe to you exactly what it is like. Apparently, you strike a pose and laugh as hard as you can. <laughs> and you just continue laughing as hard as you can. So here we are hashing it out about how the Alliance of Baptists were, were to move forward while taking the best of our history and creating a new vision. Our fiery conversations were so rudely interrupted with laughter. I saw a video the other day on Facebook because where do you see anything else? It was of a man stepping onto a crowded subway train with his earphones set and he's watching his tablet. He steps onto the train and he's just intently watching whatever it is, earphones in, and he is laughing so hard. He is just laughing, I mean, just cackling, throwing his head back. And the video spans the subway train and before they make it to the next stop, everyone is laughing. He is oblivious to their laughter, and they are dying laughing, just like the board of directors did in Louisville. You can't have a good fight with <laughs> belly laughing going on. The tensions in our meeting eased because we could not stop laughing at the intense laughter in the next room. It went on for more than an hour and our meeting was more peaceful because of it. Laughter and anger don't belong together any more than wolves and lambs or children and snakes, unless you want to initiate peace. And then they were meant for each other. In the introduction of the book, The As-If Principle, the author gives a heads up that the book is filled with interactive exercises to help you change your behavior, not by changing your mind or your feelings, but by changing your actions. And he says, you might be tempted to read about these ideas, but not actually put them into practice. Please resist that urge. The book is all about the impact that your actions have on your mind. So sit up straight, take a deep breath, 
Forget all about positive thinking. It's time for positive action. This method was in place way before William James over a hundred years ago. I think the prophet Isaiah may have been the first to suggest such a theory. Hear the poetry in his words again. A shoot shall come out from the stump. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. Now stop right now. Stop thinking in your heart. But sometimes that wolf's going to get all wild on you and go eat that lamb. Every now and then. You know, you've seen the pictures on Facebook because where do we see anything else? You've seen the pictures on Facebook of, you know, an elephant, a tiger, or a goat and a kitten and they're just so lying there I did go there I went with a goat only because my Facebook is inundated with goats it's a long story I'll tell you about later but we have all these images of things that aren't supposed to go together and the skeptical side of us says well, that might be the case right there, but every now and then, the wild is going to come out in that animal and just going to pounce and eat that thing. That's the way we are conditioned in our culture to think. We come here to be reconditioned, to think different thoughts. That's why you came out on a cold and dreary, rainy peaceful Advent Sunday to recondition your thoughts. So don't offer any but sometimes when you listen to poetry. It's poetry. We don't really have to prove it by having a wolf and a lamb lie down together to get the truth of it. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze. Their young shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt. Don't say, I don't care what Isaiah said. I'm never putting my hand on a snake or over a snake's hole. Let the image speak beauty and peace to you. In other words, the prophet Isaiah was saying, live as if peace were really possible. Walter Brueggemann goes on to say about this particular poem, the new world will indeed be safe for the vulnerable. That's what Isaiah meant. Safe for the vulnerable. The poem is about deep, radical, limitless transformation in which we, like lion, wolf, and leopard, will have no hunger for injury, no need to devour, no yearning for brutal control, no passion for domination. Do you hear these countercultural words? We come here to hear those words because that is not the message we are hearing in the media, around the world and in our own country. Brueggemann says this transformation is vastly public and intimately personal. 
It is a gift and then it's a vocation. The work of peace is our vocation. It is, of course, not possible, he says, except that the sprout comes from the stump. I know what you're thinking. She's probably going to have to change that flower out because it's going to wither and die in that stump. Okay. So I'll change the flower out. That's peace. I will probably forget to water it. You know what I'm going to do? Go back to the hair's teeter and get another one. And I'm going to keep putting it in there until I believe it. Don't think about peace. Don't dream about peace. Don't hope for it. Don't wish it into being. Don't throw your hands up and feel powerless over the lack of peace in our world. Stop wringing your hands over it. Just make peace. Do peace. Be peace. It can happen. I know it can happen because I have known family members who were estranged for years become reconciled. And I know what you're already doing. You're sitting there thinking, well, I know families that never did reconcile and the person died and they never did it. They didn't even attend the funeral. (laughs) You're wanting to tell me all the times that it doesn't work. I've come here to tell you all the times that it does work. That's why we do church. Nobody else is telling this message. Nobody. 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 Look at Facebook. Nobody's telling it. Perhaps the people you're thinking of never did anything to make for peace. Maybe they tried and it failed, you're thinking. Maybe they didn't try enough times. I am responding. I know peace can happen. Because in 1989, clearly a big year, At Crescent Hill Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky, as young and impressionable seminary students, we watched a piece of the Berlin Wall be processed into worship one Sunday morning. Our Christian ethics professor, the man who single-handedly changed my life, had been in Germany when the wall came down, serendipitously so. He grabbed a small chunk of that destroyed wall and he brought it home. And his son, who was mentally challenged, followed the banner and the light and the choir as worship began at Crescent Hill Baptist Church. And David gently and carefully carried that piece of the wall, lifted just above his head, treating it like it was a most prized possession. And then he gently placed it on the table in front of us as a sign of peace. Sometimes walls come down. I'll never forget that day in worship. It helped make a believer out of me that peace really is possible. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Middle East, Israeli-Palestinian conflict. You're thinking about the wars and the rumors of wars, and you're trying to convince me and yourself that peace isn't really possible. 
So we may as well just give up. And if that's what you're thinking, I challenge you to stop letting your mind race with negativity. And instead, do something, any one thing that would make for peace. No, whatever you decide to do will likely not make for peace in the Middle East, nor in our own divided country. Unless, of course, it does. Our Matthew text The gospel writer quotes that old prophet Isaiah, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. In this book, The As If Principle, the author suggests that if you want, Russ mentioned this last week, if you want creativity, take a walk, but don't take a straight walk, take a circuitous walk, and that meandering and not walking in a straight line will bring about creativity. So if I can alter, this takes audacity to alter Isaiah and Matthew. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths meandering for peace. Be as creative as you possibly can be. And I have a suggestion for how you might start. Take a walk in the woods and find an old stump or a hollowed out piece of dead wood. And if you don't have any woods and you don't have any place to find this, come to our yard where Russ keeps things like this. (laughs) And we will let you borrow it. And then I want you to find a plant that is colorful and living and place that flower in the hollow deadness of the stump and just look at it and gaze upon it and put it in the center of your dining room table which is where you will find this for the rest of Advent and then start acting as if you believed that peace was really possible And when you act as if you believe, that is better than just believing. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse. Maybe it was Jesus. Maybe it's you. Or me. Whomever it is, The shoot that comes from the stump always proclaims that peace is possible. May it be so. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. 
Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.